And so, hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the fourth installment of Miguel Sports Magic Club uh, Zoom Speaker Series. Uh, we are joined today here by Gentry Mullins. Uh, Gentry, is it possible for you to start with a little bit of background about yourself and tell our viewers a bit about you? Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. And, you know, appreciate you, you having me. And again, like I mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, just humbled to always have these opportunities. So, you know, extremely thankful for that. Yeah, my name is Gentry Mullins. Uh, I'm our Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service here with BSE Global, which is our overarching company that en encompasses the Brooklyn Nets, where, you know, mainly my focus is. Um, in that role, you know, really my job's, you know, responsible for, for really focused on, you know, making sure that the building's full, you know, whether that be, you know, our season ticket holders, whether that be groups of 10 or more, single game tickets, everything kind of in between. It's, it's really just making sure that we fill up the building. So. All right. So um, obviously you've just started at uh, BSC. Can you tell me a little bit about how that experience has gone for you so far? Yeah, it's it's awesome. You know, uh, one of the cool things for me in my last job with General Sports Worldwide, uh, you know, a sports management consulting agency, uh, we got to work with BSE quite a bit. So, you know, I had some really good exposure into to kind of how this company operated before I even started here. And so that really, you know, gives you a good understanding of like, is this a company that I want to work for? Do they value their people? All of those things. And so, um, you know, the opportunity kind of came my way just based off the fact of, you know, there was a couple, you know, areas of opportunity that, you know, for, for me, I try to look at, you know, opportunities much more as that rather than like, what are the challenges that encompass with that job? You know, and so I, I don't think anyone's shocked that the the Nets have been uh, kind of all over ESPN for, for the last couple of weeks, especially. But, you know, you know, when I was going through the interview process, I think we, you know, we, we moved off of Steve Nash and went on to, to Jock Vaughn as our head coach. So, um you know, for me, it's always about like, what's the opportunity here? And if we can, you know, fill up a building when all of the signs say that we shouldn't be able to fill up a building, it's a pretty cool resume stamper. So um, I've tried to look at all my opportunities like that. You know, I'm, I think I'm nine years into the business and never made the playoffs once. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty cool, no, I wouldn't say a cool stat, but a pretty unique stat, I guess. All right. Well, I'm a very big Brooklyn Nets fan. So I'm hoping we can break your streak and that you're not, you're not bad luck for them. Hey, I'm happy about where the team's at. I think we we got a young, fun group that's going to play hard, play a lot of defense, uh, and that the you know the Barclays Center can kind of get behind. So, yeah. So obviously, uh, I think things have changed with the Nets. Obviously, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are no longer there, and the team is a lot more younger. I personally think a bit more exciting, even though um, I guess the names aren't bigger. Uh, how do you think that's changed, like your role? Like, how do you think it makes things harder? And really, has it shifted everything that you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question, Kyle. You know, I would say, you know, candidly, it really hasn't changed my job a lot. And I know that may sound weird to say, but based off the sales process that, you know, we've kind of put in place and what I kind of grew up with, you know, selling such bad performing teams on the field and on the court is like you kind of got to get used to selling what's not on the court, if that makes sense. And that's a weird thing to say, I guess, in the sports industry, but you know, when I was with the Bucs, we, we got the number one pick because we were so bad. When I was with the Suns, we were so bad that we got the number one pick. We actually drafted Mikael Bridges at number 10 in that year. Um, and then when I was with the Cavs, I mean, we were the second worst team in the league all three years there. Um, and so when you focus on what the experience is, you know, for a consumer, for a family that's bringing that kid out, like, you know, I, I mean, that's how I grew up. Like I went to, you know, Carolina Panthers games growing up. They were terrible. But, you know, the five hour drive to, to Charlotte with my dad to watch a game was all I cared about. Like, you know, like, yeah, it was a bummer that we lost the game most of the time. But like 
that was how me and my dad bonded. That's how we got close. Um, same thing, you know, on the corporate perspective, like do, do companies really care if we win 82 games, if they don't see an ROI off of their investment, or would they rather us lose every game and see a 5X return based off the investment they made? And so, you know, that's where I've really tried to, to help our group understand is like, you know, we control what we can control, which is not wins and losses, not what happens in the media, but we control, you know, the experience when somebody walks through Barclays Center, like, are they getting a world-class experience? Are they getting a membership model that encompasses a 365-day experience rather than just the 43 home games, right? And so that's what we try to focus on. And so, you know, it's been more of just, you know, delivering that message again and again to make sure that our group's behind that message. Um, because, you know, any anytime we try to get behind the, you know, the stars or wins and losses, like, we just can't control that. And, then, you know, that's just how we kind of had to adapt. So obviously you've talked about, I know you were with, the Bucks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, and the Suns. Can you tell me a little bit about your roles with them and how they've helped shape you for your job now with the Nets, outside of obviously getting accustomed to teams struggling a little bit? You're just getting used to being on bad teams. Um, yeah, you know, I, I started my career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and that was in a selling role. That was really, you know, when I got my internship in college, I didn't know sports sales existed. You know, to me, I just thought buildings filled up because, like, who doesn't want to go to sporting events? You know, when you turn the TV on, like, every building usually looks full from from what I always saw. And so, you know, I went down there to, to Tampa. Like, I just kind of fell in love with the fact that, like, I was around like-minded individuals, that it was a very energetic environment, that it was very competitive. And really more than anything about why I fell in love with sales was that there was a clear translation between the amount of work that you put in and the results that you saw. Right. So it basically was like simple math to me. Like if I work harder than most people, then I'm going to succeed more than most people. Right. And so, you know, that's what I did in Tampa, you know, you know, sold and sold at a high level for about two and a half years, sold uh, mainly on the the business development side on the the premium end, Um, got used to that. And then I I transitioned out to to Phoenix um, to run their inside sales program. And so that inside sales program is really focused on how do we take, you know, individuals from, you know, crawling to walking to running from a sales perspective. And how do I give that opportunity that was given to me and invest in others and help them, you know, break into the industry, help them grow their careers. And so, you know, I got to do that, um, which is really just recruiting, developing, you know, entry-level sales folks. And then a mentor of mine called uh, really right after LeBron left in, in Cleveland and was like, hey, you know, obviously, you know, LeBron's left. We really kind of need to build back our, our outbound efforts and our new sales efforts. And, you know, whereas a lot of people were really running away from that challenge, I saw it as, well, you know, I mean, hell, if I can rebuild the business after the greatest player in the league leaves, pretty cool story that not many people are going to be able to tell, right? And so, you know, that's what we did, you know, for, for three years, it was really finding the right type of people, developing the right type of mindset, building a predictable sales process and watching that kind of come all to, to fruition. And so, um, you know, like I said, you know, didn't really have the team to kind of help us through that. And so when you see that the team's not getting better, but the sales efforts are, it's just cool to, you know, get to see your efforts kind of pay off. So obviously you're talking about, again, um, bringing in sales and teams that, Honestly, if you were coming up with different strategies, they wouldn't be doing so well successfully on the business end. What like marketing strategies did you have or come up with that were successful? Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, I think, you know, the involvement that ticketing teams have with their marketing teams really varies a lot. 
you know, uh, and again, you're exposed to it at different levels too, right? Like in my current capacity, I have a lot more exposure to marketing than what I did when I was a sales team. Right. And so, you know, I would say one, I think one of the most important things is just like consistent communication. And I was really lucky with that in Phoenix and Cleveland and, and even here in Brooklyn that, you know, it's a lot of that, right? Like, you know, it's just consistent dialogue of like, Hey, what's going on in the marketplace? How are we out on leads? Like, do you need more leads? What type of leads? Like how are, you know, it's basically like this feedback loop between marketing or business intelligence groups and sales to see how that's working. And so, you know, I think more than anything, it's just like, from a marketing standpoint, it's just putting our, you know, our sales team members in a position to win. You know, I think maybe 15 years ago in our industry, people didn't really care about how the leads were performing. It was more of just like, call the leads. Like, this is what we got. Like, we got to work with what we got. That's not my mindset. It's like, you know, I don't want our sales team members to be beating their head against the wall a hundred times a day just to do it. Like, let's go out, let's find the best leads. Let's get the most effective leads and put them in a position to win. And so I think that just comes from a lot of consistent dialogue and communication. And then obviously you're you're trying to sell tickets, you're trying to get more companies involved in the nets. Is there do you have like an overall sales pitch? Is there something that you like to say to organizations or people that bring more people into seats? Uh yeah, you know, honestly I just we don't think of it that way in my opinion. Um you know, we just we try to have a consultant type, you know, mindset towards sales. And so we we have our members really set up in four different kind of categories. There's a, a social fan that really just wants to come out the games and something to do. We've got a super fan who literally comes here because they eat, breathe and sleep everything that's basketball. We've got a corporate fan who wants to utilize us to help drive their their business forward. And then we've got that family type member, right? And like how do we, you know, help amplify all the things that they're already doing for them and their family? And so our consultant mindset is, hey, let's get to know who Kyle is. What's important to Kyle? Why does Kyle come to the games? What's Kyle looking for, not only with us, but just in entertainment in general? And how do, how do we be that you know, solution to what that is? And based off of all those things that you're giving us, Kyle, we're just going to feed that back to you in a way that really makes sense for you to want to be involved more with Nets basketball. And then obviously you being in New York, I can attest to this. I've lived in New York my whole life outside of the two years I'm now in Montreal at school how do you think the New York market like changes how you do how you how you operate it's a good question uh well one you know I was really excited about the opportunity to come to New York just based off of I mean just the population itself you know I was a high volume person as a salesperson that's my approach that's my philosophy and so the good news is, that's why I tell our team members all the time, is like, we're never going to run out of people to call. You know, that's at the true. end of the day, like, we're never going to run out of people to call. Um, so I love that piece of it. Um, you know, two, I, you know, my sales pro- approach was always direct. New Yorkers are known for being very direct. So I, I love that piece of it. Um, so it's much different than, you know, when I was in Cleveland, like you would get that Midwest yes, right? Where people just would tell you yes, but really meant no. They were just too, you know, too <laughs> nice to tell you that. Um, and then when I was in, you know, Phoenix and in Tampa, like that was a very transient type marketplace. You know, no one was really a Bucks fan when the Cowboys came into town. They were a Bucks fan the rest of the year, but not when the Cowboys or the Giants came into town. Same thing with the Suns. Like, you know, they were, you know, Knicks fans until, you know, they weren't playing the Knicks anymore, right? Like then they would be a Suns fan. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of just getting used to that almost in a sense, but you know, here in New York, I think, you know, there's always a spotlight on you. You know, I've never been on a team that is on ESPN this much, you know, 
you know, we're, you know, one bad email away from the New York Post finding it and, and, and posting it everywhere. So I think that's something that I've had to, you know, kind of get used to, um, you know, we're in the biggest marketplace in, in the United States compared to, you know, Cleveland, I think it was like the 16th. So. And then I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about a bit more about you personally. So obviously everyone's kind of going to be listening to this podcast. They're, they're at McGill, they're looking to get involved in sports business, and they don't really know where to start. They're trying to get a summer internship, um, and they're going through that process right now. I know that you interned with the Buccaneers and were able to leverage that into a job. Can you tell me a little bit about your internship process and really how you got it? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I love talking about this just because my intern literally changed the whole trajectory of my life. Um, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Southwest Virginia, uh, like right on the Kentucky border, basically farmland. No one leaves. It's that typical small town. It's got like three red lights. Um, bit different than New York. A little bit different than New York. And that was yeah. kind of a pride point for me to, to come here and say I could do it. Right. Um, you know, when I was in college, like I said, you know, our sports management program was not nearly as good as this. You know, I was, I think I even just had a concentration in sports management, but one of the things that we had to do was complete an internship. That was like the best part about the, you know, the, the program itself. And, um, you know, a lot of my classmates were really just kind of checking the box. Like they were just like, I'm just going to do something quick, get back to my summer, you know, have fun the, the rest of the way. And, you know, for me, I was like, well, if I'm going to want to work in sports, I probably need to find an actual like internship that I can leverage into like a full-time job. And so I came across Teamwork Online at the time, um, and I just thought it was the coolest website ever. I mean, it's like, like you know, thousands upon thousands of jobs. You know, I just remember all of a sudden just applying to everything. Like it was human resources, community relations, corporate partnerships, sales. Like I didn't care. I was just applying. Uh, and I think I applied to 163 opportunities. I got one response back, and that was with the box. And, you know, to, to be candid, like, just getting the email from the Buccaneers was good enough for me. Like I was like telling my family that the Buccaneers emailed me back. It's like, Oh my God, like this NFL team just got me back. I'm a huge NFL fan. My parents were just stoked. And, um, you know, I would say just through that interview process, like there was no one that was more prepared than me going through those interviews. Like I would sit in my you know college room, like for two hours rehearsing the questions that I was going to ask knowing everything about every single person's background. And so like, I can, I can tell you confidently, like I should not have gotten that internship. Like I was not nearly as prepared as you are for like these types of calls or, you know, reaching out to people on LinkedIn or anything like that. Um, but I did what I tell everyone. It's like, you know, show up to the interview, be prepared, do research, ask intentional questions and let them know that you want the job, you know? And so I did that, you know, the best sell of my life will always be getting that internship. Um, and then when I got there, you know, it was kind of the same story, Kyle, like I'm in there with, you know, the University of Florida, Florida State, you know, my partner was like from the University of Colorado at Boulder, like these huge schools. And here I am from, you know, this, you know, really small school that no one's ever heard of with, you know, really thick country accent and, you know, really just feeling out of place. And, you know, I remember about two weeks in, I was really feeling down on myself. I was pretty homesick. I mean, at the time I was a 19 year old kid living in Tampa, Florida, which is a huge adjustment than what I just told you about Clinton, Virginia. And my dad was like, you know, listen, like it's three months, like just work your tail off, tell them that you want to be there. 
and, you know, be a sponge. And if you do those three things, they're probably going to want to bring you back. Uh, and I did that. You know, I, I showed up first in the office. I was the last to leave. I would, you know, awkwardly walk into my boss's office and just be like, hey, I, I want to be here. Like, whatever it takes, like, let me know. Like, I want to come back here full time. Um, and it resulted in them, you know, bringing me back. So i uh, very blessed, very indebted to, to that organization. Yeah, obviously, I think that advice is really important for kids to know. Like, I, I know just myself, I've been going to teamwork online and applying everything and everything that just sounds somewhat related to what I want to get into, obviously. And I think that a lot of other McGill students are the same. So it's nice to hear that a little bit of a success story. Like, I know it, it's hard to get rejection emails or not to hear back emails at all. Well, every no is close, closer to one more yes, right? So... Of course. Um, and then is there something that you wish you knew before getting involved in sports business? Um, I don't know that there's anything that necessarily I would have wanted to know um, coming into it. But I, I have two things that I would encourage everyone to think about when they're when they're looking at it. Well, maybe three. I would say one is. It's a lot of work. You know, sports is, it's, it's the flashy job. It's the sexy job. Like, you know, most of the time when you walk into a room, like you have the coolest job out of everyone in that room. Um, but that logo can really only go so far, right? Like that's not, you know, talking about you having to work a random shuffleboard event tonight from six to nine, like I'm going to have to, you know, I got in here at seven 30, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's like that all the time, you know, two weeks ago we had a four game ha- homestand, that, you know, I think most of my team almost, you know, it was like 120 hours, you know, so like it's a lot. And then, you know, the pay is not, you know, equal to that, especially when you're starting out. Um, so I think a lot of people just, you know, I just think it's important. I'm not saying that to dissuade anybody, but, you know, if you're looking for more freedom with weeks, you know, weekends and nights, um, you're looking to to make sure that, you know, you're making the most money possible, like doing that in the sports industry to start is, that's, that's not realistic. You know, I mean, that's the good thing about sales. You can kind of determine what that paycheck looks like. And, and I made, you know, some good money as, a, as an entry-level salesperson, but that's not the case for everyone. So I think just knowing that, hey, you know, it may be, you know, flashy, but, you know, there is a lot of, you know, kind of grunt work that goes behind it. I think it's something that a lot of people need to know. And so when you're going through those interview processes, I would just really dive into like, what does that day-to-day look like? So you know truly what you're getting into. Um, I think the second thing is like, the most important thing, and maybe it's probably the best piece of advice I've ever been given, is like, if you look at the first 10 years of your career as an investment, you can really do whatever you want to after that. And what you know, my mentor meant by that when he told me is like, if you work for really good people, like they're going to invest in you a lot. You're going to learn a lot. They're going to push for you to get those opportunities maybe that you necessarily wouldn't be ready for. And so just to like work for really good people is probably like, the most important thing I can tell somebody coming out of college. So like if you're balancing two jobs, like I'd base that decision based off of who you'd be working for. Um, Cause that's going to be your biggest advocate. Right. And they're going to teach you like that first job out of school is so transformative. Um, and then the third thing is like, I would just really open yourself up to opportunities that, you know, may scare you a little bit. Like what are those opportunities that, you know, may not be in your hometown that, you know, maybe you have to go down to Tampa, Florida, where you don't know a single soul or go West coast for the first time in your life. Um, because those opportunities have really, you know, matured me much more quickly. They've made me grow up a lot faster and learn more. 
Um, and so I would just say like, you know, those opportunities that you may almost just, you know, brush off immediately, they could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, I think everything you're saying is just so vitally important for people to know, like just, uh, just getting out there, being a bit outside your comfort zone. It's all super important. Uh, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently throughout your career? Uh, I wish I would have probably quit focusing on what was next all the time. Um, and, and really focus more of where my feet were and enjoyed the journey a little bit more. Um, you know, I think from the minute I got into this industry and knew what a career looked like, it was about like, how do I get to that next seat as quickly as possible? Um, which I don't, I mean, I got that advice when I was sitting in, in your shoes and I guess I just disregarded it because it was like, okay, like I get that, but you're also the VP, you're the CRO that's giving me this advice. So you've obviously got to where you're at for a reason. Um, but I think I could have got, got to this seat, you know, very similarly, if I'd have enjoyed it a little bit more, probably had a little bit less stress about it. Um, but, you know, there's definitely those lunches that I missed with my first team in Tampa that I'll never get back or, you know, that problem maybe that I stressed over for, you know, a week at a time in Phoenix wasn't really that big of a deal, you know? So I think just enjoying it a little bit more would have been worth it, but I don't necessarily regret it because I'm, I'm at where I'm at, you know, because of, I think the ambition and the urgency that I try to operate with. All right. Well, I just wanted to thank you again, Gentry. Thank you so much for joining us. That concludes all the questions I had uh, prepared. So thanks again and for being on with us and we wish you the best of luck with the Nets this season. Well, I, I certainly appreciate it, Kyle. Um, obviously appreciate you coming prepared to the call with, you know, with really good questions. Um, like I said, I, I, this is really, you know, these things are important to me because I, I've had people that have given back to me and invested and paid it forward. Um, I try to do that on LinkedIn. So I don't know if, you know, some of you guys follow me on LinkedIn. If you don't, uh, I post content twice a day, typically on like the sports business and like how to break into the industry. Um, so if I can ever be of a resource for anybody, you know, don't hesitate to, to reach out. My email is jmullins at bsclobal.net. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty prevalent on LinkedIn. So, you know, find me there, but, uh, you know, good luck the rest of the way this semester. And if I can ever be a resource or anyone's ever in Brooklyn, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care, Kyle. See you. Bye.